Liz Hamron has been CEO of Amazon's Ring business for almost a year as the successor in the role to Ring founder Jamie Siminoff. But it's not the first time she's been involved in home monitoring and cameras. Earlier in her career, she led marketing at Dropcam, responsible for growing its user base before its acquisition by Google. So Dropcam, about 10 years ago, I had worked running marketing and our subscription business. And I honestly have some unfinished business from that that time because we sold early to Google and there was still so much we wanted to do. So I feel like I get um, sort of come full circle 10 years later, being able to work in a similar space on home monitoring products. Unfinished business, like what? Well, I think that this category uh, has so much opportunity and there's so much opportunity for growth. And we saw that 10 years ago. I still see that now, 10 years later, of how do you help people know what's going on at home when they're not there? And how do you build products? And that's hardware, that's software, that's services, it's sensors. And now with improvements in computer vision and AI, there's still so much more we can do to provide you with a really great information about what's happening. But at times over the years, this push to give users better visibility into their homes has also raised issues for security and privacy. This was reflected most recently in a $5.8 million settlement involving Ring between Amazon and the Federal Trade Commission last year. Hamron describes this intersection of security, privacy, and features as a major focus for the Ring team. We really look at how do we provide privacy to our users and control over their data How do we secure our data and our accounts to make sure our system is very secure? And then how do you ensure that there are tools to protect the privacy of your neighbors and those around you? Before becoming the Ring CEO, Hamron held technology and business leadership positions at companies including Microsoft, Facebook's Oculus, and Discord. And she was involved in product launches for devices including Xbox consoles and Meta VR headsets. In addition to Ring, she leads Blink, Amazon Key, and the Amazon Sidewalk business in her current role. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop, and I sat down with Liz Hamron recently in the Amazon offices in Bellevue, Washington, to talk about Ring's direction under her leadership, the career path that brought her to this role, and how advances such as AI and drones are reshaping an area of the tech industry that she was first involved with a decade ago. Liz Hamron, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So it's been less than a year since you took over as CEO from Ring founder Jamie Siminoff back in March 2023. This, I think, is the first time you've sat down and really had an expansive discussion externally about your role. Am, am I right about it that? It is. It is my um, my debut uh, <laughs> interview as CEO of Ring, Blank Key, and, and Sidewalk. So thank you for, uh, for having me on the show. That's great. So given that diverse background that you've had over the years in roles at companies like Oculus, Meta, Xbox, and Discord. Can you give us a sense for how those experiences have shaped you as a leader and also contributed to your approach in your current role at Amazon and Ring? Well, all those companies that you mentioned have really fantastic products. They're all mission-led, mission-driven, and they all have incredible founders that I had the honor to work with. And I really love technologies that are new, that make people's lives better, that bring kind of joy and delight. 
And I think my experience in all of those roles can help prepare me for being here at Ring today. And I had a variety of roles, as you mentioned. In some cases, I was running marketing. In other cases, I was running engineering. So it's really exciting to be here and to be able to bring it all together in a leadership role across the entire business. And so I'm able to bring something from each one of those companies here to my role. Well, it's true. And you were trained as an engineer originally, and then you went to Harvard Business School as Mm -hmm. well. Can you think of any times recently or in your tenure so far at Ring where you blended those two broad disciplines, the marketing and the business and the technology and the engineering on a specific decision? Well, I think the other question is, when do you not do that? Right. And I think whether you're a marketer, you're always thinking about the technology and what's possible and what's unique and understanding what we built and how to talk about it. When you're an engineer, you also want to think about how we take things to market and what customers want and how to think about things like everything from cost to ease of use. And so I think that it's almost this like sort of false separation between how we think about kind of marketing and and product and engineering. I think everybody has to do all of it to some extent. And I think that as we think about, you know, trade-offs in our business, we are building hardware. And so we look at our bomb cost. We look at things like, you know, do we want to solve a problem in hardware? Do we want to solve a problem in silicon? Do we want to solve a problem in software? Or in some cases, you know, marketing can help explain or address some of your opportunities and challenges. And so there was actually a, a question that we just were answering about how to solve, a, a honestly, a hardware problem. We looked at all of those different solutions, and then we picked one. So maybe next time I'm on the show, I'll tell you what the problem was that we were solving, <laughs> and, uh, and then you'll see it in the market. So Ring under Amazon has expanded its product portfolio quite a bit. Originally, obviously, it was known for its doorbell cams. And now you've expanded into a variety of different cameras, home security. Can you give us a state of the Ring business as it is today? What's the landscape within the Ring part of your role that people should know about? Well, the doorbell was just the beginning. And so Ring produced this great innovative product to say, hey, you can you can answer your door. You can see who is at your door when, when you're not there. Well, there's lots of other places that you'd also like to see what's going on. And so that led to the creation of indoor and outdoor cameras, our spotlight camera. And what we were seeing also was that then people wanted more. They wanted alarms. They wanted sensors to know what was going on. And so this is really driven by customers wanting more for their homes. And so the state of the ring business today is we still have an incredibly healthy doorbell business. Our camera business is our fastest growing. It's growing at about 30% a year. And the business still continues to be quite healthy. And then we continue to grow alarm as well. And we see customers really loving that they can self-monitor the alarm or they can use professional monitoring. And again, we'll continue to innovate with things like our glass break sensor so that you, again, really know what's going on at home when you're not there. And the glass break sensor, for people who aren't familiar with that, is? It's a sensor that uh, you can add to your alarm system that will detect glass break up to 25 feet away. And so it will then provide you an alert that something has happened and it can differentiate between a glass break noise and other noises that might be happening in your environment. I'd love it if you could reveal the full product roadmap for 2024. (laughs) I realize that may not be what you're about to do, but can you give me a sense for how AI is shaping Ring's approach? The interesting thing about our business is we've been doing computer vision for a long time and anyone that's been in this industry has been. And so it's actually kind of exciting that now there's been so much innovation 
education and then also so much awareness and then just a lot more acceleration of underlying technology that we can leverage. But the the products have incorporated computer vision both on the device, on the edge, and in the cloud for a number of years. But we've been continuing to improve what we're doing with things like person detection, things like package detection. People want to know specifically what is happening and be notified only of those things. And one of the things I like to say is you want to know when something interesting or important happens. And what's interesting and important to you is very different than might be what's interesting and important to your neighbor. If you have a dog, you don't necessarily want to get notified every time your dog walks by your camera. But if you don't have a dog and there's a dog in your yard, you probably do want to know that. And then there's things like vehicles, which a lot of people have been asking for. So maybe that's maybe one hint, which is we're we're working on being able to detect vehicles and notify you of that. And then specifically, people also ask a lot about animals. And that's another area that we're investing in among the many areas that we're investing in to try to help you really understand what's happening and to tell you, again, about the things you want to know about and then also ignore the things that you don't. When you say vehicles, do you mean identifying generally that something is a vehicle or a specific type or make or model or, hey, that's my Jeep? It's more that people want to know, is there a car in my driveway? Yeah. And that's what one of the number one asks is that there's a parking space or a driveway and people want to know there's a car parked in my driveway or there's not. So it's less about finding specific vehicles or searching for things and sort of knowing what is in my area or what is in front of my door and whether that's a package, a person, a pet, wildlife, or a vehicle. Those are the most common um, things that people want to be notified about. At a high level, what we're really trying to do is understand what's going on in your video. And we've made a ton of progress on being able to do that and to be able to do that in ways that are easy for customers to leverage and really useful. And so we are looking all the time at, you know, what do we do on the device? What can we do in the cloud? How can we make it easy for you to do video search? So maybe I'll give you that hint, which is video search is coming. And that is something that we are working on. So when people want to know, again, they there's a they have a whole host of, of saved clips, how do you find the thing that you're most interested in? I will tell you the most interesting thing I ever caught on my ring camera was what we believe was a coyote chasing the neighbor's cat up our fence. I hope the cat escaped. The cat did escape. (laughs) But for example, could I search Mm -hmm. coyote? Is that that the kind of thing you're talking about? That's the kind of thing we're looking at. Yes. Very interesting. To what extent have the conversations internally been fueled by AI or has AI unlocked bigger picture brainstorming among the team beyond what you currently even offer? I think all of the public conversations around AI have energized our team even further around the work that we've been been doing. I was actually just out in Amsterdam and Poland visiting a number of our computer vision teams. We have an incredible number of projects that are driven by our computer vision teams and our AI teams. And I mean, I wish I could tell you all about them yeah. because there's like Me so too. many exciting <laughs> features. Well, maybe we can have you come back to one of our demo days um, and do some early, um, early looks of some of the work that we're doing. But you can imagine that really being able to understand what's going on in a video, there's so much we can unlock there. And one of the things that we haven't even talked about is how we could start even bringing this to small and medium business, right. um, really helping people understand what's going on in their, their business when they're not there. But it is exciting to be in a in a company where the work that we're doing is really fueled by AI technology and computer vision, and we'll just continue to see, um, I think, more and more you know excitement and and innovation. Coming up next, the tension between security, privacy, and features. 
Technology moves fast. I need to move faster. WGU's competency-based education puts me in control of how fast I move through my IT degree program. I can accelerate my program by applying what I already know to my courses and focusing on the things I need to learn. Earn a respected accredited degree that propels your career in the IT field. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. If you look at the history of Ring, there's been at times a tension between the desire to provide people with increased visibility into what's going on in their home and then security and privacy on the other side. There's been issues in the past with video footage and law enforcement and security vulnerabilities. There was an FTC settlement. How do you, as a leader of the business, approach this tension between, well, first off, do you accept that there's a tension between those two, security, privacy, and features at times? And I'd just be curious to get your take on how you approach this as the leader of the business. Yeah, I think you have to recognize that there is a tension there. And we really look at how do we provide privacy to our users and control over their data How do we secure our data and our accounts to make sure our system is very secure? And then how do you ensure that there are tools to protect the privacy of your neighbors and those around you? And so the way that we're focused on on this is really doing things like we have privacy zones where you can block out areas that where you don't want to see any video. So areas that are maybe not on your property. So if you have a camera that is looking at your property and then also partially your neighbor's property, you're able to block that out. You're also able to say where you want motion alerts and where you don't. So you can customize a lot of those features to make sure that you are only monitoring the places that are places that you should be monitoring and that are important to you. How I look at this is it's our job to make sure that we are investing heavily in privacy, safety, and security and empowering our users with tools, being incredibly transparent about what we're doing. And again, continuing to invest in making sure that our data and our systems are secure and that we are thinking through all of these scenarios and making sure that we are building tools that allow you to manage your cameras and your video service in ways that really are able to protect your privacy and the privacy of your neighbors and those that are in your camera's view. We've talked about this before, but I am a Ring customer both at home and at work. And I actually was a Ring customer back when some of those earlier security issues came up. And it was interesting how it was almost a watershed moment for me in my own life. Obviously, nothing happened to me personally, but it was something that raised awareness of security feature as simple as two-factor authentication. And the fact that it became a requirement as part Mm -hmm. of my Ring account made me think about making sure that even if it was voluntary elsewhere in my life, that I used it. It's interesting how we've all come along this evolution in this area. Yeah. And and Ring was the first smart security company to require two-factor authentication. And again, I I love that that story because it's saying that, hey, by promoting better security practices in our ecosystem, you're actually encouraging customers to do that in other parts of their lives. And, you know, one of the things we do is we periodically scan to make sure that your username and password aren't duplicated and then available on the web. So we'll let you know if we find your credentials and encourage you to change them. In 2021, we launched end-to-end encryption for an added level of security for customers that want to leverage that feature. I can't overstate the importance of this area. It's a privilege for us to build these products for customers and for them to invite us into their homes. And we take that privilege very seriously. And we want to ensure that we're building tools, we're being incredibly transparent, and we continue to evolve with new features that 
that really address the needs of our customers and keeping their data secure, making sure that they have the ability to customize their cameras and really also understand um, how and where their video is being used. After the break, flying drones and home robots. This GeekWire podcast is sponsored in part by Yale University Press. Are you concerned about the rise of AI and how it will impact our society? Every day, artificial intelligence presents us with urgent ethical challenges. How do we harness this extraordinary technology to empower rather than oppress? Nigel Shadbolt and Roger Hampson have written a how-to for building ethical machine intelligence. Their new book, As If Human, Ethics and Artificial Intelligence, is now available wherever books are sold. From a marketing standpoint, I've always struggled with the name of the Ring Always Home Cam. I can never remember what it is. That's maybe a point of feedback for the mm -hmm. team pre-you. That was before your arrival. I want it to be called like the Flying Drone Century <laughs> or something like that because that's really what it is. This was announced quite a ways back before you joined as CEO. Can you give us a sense for where that product stands. And actually, for people who have not seen the Ring Always Home Cam, can you explain what it is first? The Ring Always Home Cam is a drone camera intended to be used in your house when you are not home. And so if something happens in your home, then this camera is able to fly over and to let you see what's happening. And we've demoed it, I think, about three years ago. And then we demoed it again at CES last year. And so this project is continuing. I just saw, um, got an update on it actually back when I was in Europe because a bunch of our teams that are working on it are are located out there. So we've made continued to make a ton of progress on it, and it is a big focus for us. It's a hard problem to fly autonomously in your home because every home is different, and you have to encounter things like mirrors and curved walls and reflections and different kinds of objects. And so we want to make sure that we, when we deliver this camera, it can address all of these different environments in a way that is both delightful and safe. And so we'll, we're continuing to work on it. We will provide updates as they come, but it is definitely still a project that we are very excited about that is very ambitious. And so stay tuned. This plays into a larger question I have about how your team interfaces with the rest of Amazon because multiple teams inside Amazon are trying to solve this problem of security at home while you're not there. Astro, the Amazon robot, is another way of approaching this problem. Can you give me just a sense organizationally for how you coordinate things like that? Is it somewhat random and ad hoc where the ring team has an idea, the Astro team has an idea, and independently you go after it? Or are you talking to each other as you do it? I'd love to hear just how that works internally. Yeah, I'd say both. Yeah. Um, different teams have different customer problems that they're trying to solve, and they are going to address those in the ways that they think best. That said, we all know about each other. So we coordinate really heavily and collaborate with the Astro team because we'll be solving some of the same problems. In fact, we were looking at some motion detection technology that other teams have leveraged and we can collaborate with them and learn from them and then we'll work on shared projects. So it actually is a, it's a really great opportunity for us across devices and services to be able to leverage the expertise across these teams. Everyone is focusing on a particular customer problem. And again, then we can share technology across and then sometimes make sure that also these products work well together. 
are you doing that at the executive level or are the engineering teams talking to each other? How does that work? Both. I think that we'll find that, you know, our hardware team will go collaborate with a hardware team because we're looking at a similar technology or similar sensor. And um, at a high level, my peers and I talk about where there's opportunities for us to collaborate on tech or even on go-to-market. Or in the case of Astro, Astro customers are able to purchase and leverage Ring Protect Pro, as well as our VSG, our virtual security guard product. When we're looking at how do we do motion detection and radar and next generation technology, one of the things we're looking at is LIDAR. And there's experts on the Astro team that have implemented LIDAR for Astro. Now, obviously, it's a different implementation and sort of a different use case, but we're really able to collaborate across teams and leverage some experts and kind of shared expertise across the organizations. And that's true on everything from Wi-Fi to our batteries to memory. Um, So it's really, again, nice to have that focus where we're all focused on our own businesses, but we really can share technology and learning and customer insights. And people out there may or may not know LIDAR is the fundamental technology that's used, for example, in autonomous vehicles to map an environment and really get a sense for what the device is dealing with around it before, for example, it flies through the kitchen when you're not around. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay, good. In preparation for this discussion, I was going back through Amazon's fall devices and services announcement. And if I'm not mistaken, one thing that was not mentioned was Amazon Sidewalk, which is within your purview. This is a short range or I actually, for, for those who don't know Amazon Sidewalk, can you describe what it is? I think it's best described as a community network. And what we are doing with Sidewalk is taking a small, small part of bandwidth from devices like ring cameras or echo devices with the permission of the user to be able to send uh, small amounts of data over a network for devices that might not have a, either not, might not have connectivity or, or uh, might need long, you know, medium to long range connectivity. So it's really a way for uh, devices to leverage existing devices to get onto the, to the internet. And the, classic example from a couple of years ago was a device that might be on a dog collar that would allow you to track your dog from a couple blocks away, even if it was outside the range of your Wi-Fi network. Can you give me a sense for where Sidewalk stands since we didn't hear about it during that fall event? Yeah, no, we continue to build out the network. We have, I think, 95% coverage. There's incredible coverage. Back in the spring, we announced Sidewalk Open for Business, where we allowed third parties to use our SDK and order dev kits to start using Sidewalk. So we've had incredible engagement with third parties and are working closely with the few to build out Sidewalk experiences. So the network is alive and well. We're continuing to build out use cases with third parties, and we're also using it internally for testing different kinds of sensors that make sense to be on the sidewalk network. Oh, interesting. And you know we have a mailbox sensor. The mailbox sensor is perfect for sidewalk. It's outside of the range of your Wi-Fi. Um, you want it to be um, to be very low power and to last for a long time. And it only needs to send a signal, which is your mailbox was opened or your mailbox is closed. So in much the same way that I was asking about the always home cam, sidewalk is still very much alive and well. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like we'll be hearing more about it in the future. Absolutely. And seeing products that are using it. Lastly, I know that you're a tennis player. How would you describe your tennis game, your tennis strategy? Are you an aggressive player? Are you a serve and volley player? And are there parallels between your tennis game and your approach as a leader of a business in technology? Oh, wow. That is not a question I've been asked before. Well, um, my tennis game, I you know took probably ten or fifteen years, fifteen years off. So I would just say it's getting back into tennis is the is my game right now, yeah. but I'm really enjoying it. 
But I actually recently read this book called The Inner Game of Tennis. Yes. Um, and so I would say that that uh, has a, had a big impact on my tennis game, but also on like business and life. And essentially, the gist of the book is the thing, you have sort of two voices in your head. You have the, the voice that is telling you all the things that you're doing wrong or all the things that could go wrong. And then there's the sort of second self, which is the part of you that just kind of acts and does based on all of your experience and all the things that you know. And so I think there's a great parallel here, which is to sort of turn off that self one, to focus on the ball, right? The the point of the book is like the only thing you can control is like the ball that's coming at you. And that's the thing that you should focus on. And I think that, you know, I'll just try to try to draw a parallel to business, which is to really be thinking about like, what's the task you have in front of you? What are the things that you can control? And to really go and sort of allow yourself to leverage all of your expertise and kind of do your best in that moment and then take the next moment. And so I try to bring that to life of not sort of thinking about all the things that could go wrong, but really to, um, to just execute against the, the good plan that you have. It's funny. I know that book. I have that book. And the reason I have it is that it was Bill Gates's list for one of his favorite book picks. Mm-hmm. At one That's point. where I found it too. Yes. And it's almost a Zen approach where you try and set aside all those insecurities and just, as you say, be in the moment and get into your own personal flow. And it's amazing how much tennis and life are paralleled in that way. Liz Hamron, thank you very much for speaking with me. Thanks so much for having me. Liz Hamron is CEO of Amazon's Ring Business. See the show notes and the related article on geekwire.com for links to related coverage and information. Thanks for listening. Kurt Milton edited this show. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. We'll be back next week with a new episode of the GeekWire podcast.